Yes, people, welcome to a new episode of Echoes from the Void. Oh my days. Ah, it's just this beat. I love this beat. <laughs> you know. Do, 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 do. I have to say, it was my favorite part of the halftime show during the Super Bowl. <laughs> Ooh-hoo, I blinded by the light. Anyway, people, on a more serious note, ah, you know what? I, I was um, looking through the news today and I feel like I must have been under a rock because I'm like, wait, there's an impeachment trial going on? <laughs> when the fuck did that happen? <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I knew people were talking about trying to make it happen. I didn't know it had happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm just a bit like, yo, that seemed to come out of nowhere. Alright, anyway, it, it's not the weirdest thing though, right? So, um, the, uh, who is it? It's like the, the head? Yeah, the, the head of KPMG in the UK. He's got himself into a bit of trouble, which, I don't know, man. It, 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 it seems, seems a little crazy. Seems a little crazy right now. You know what I mean? So, um... There was um they I think they had a big meeting, um, I think at the beginning of the week, right? And um, man, it was it was a big meeting. Supposedly five hundred members of staff, which does seem a bit ridiculous, right? Because I mean, having that many people, like yo, your meeting's gonna be a bit of a mess, man. You hear me? Like split it up a little, people. Come on. But anyway, at this meeting. People, I think people had been complaining about, you know, the pandemic, COVID, and all of that. And he told people to, um, you know, what, stop complaining. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, uh, stop moaning. And um, I think stop playing the victim card were a couple of things that were said. And because of this... <laughs> When I'm stepping down, I'm like, say what? You know what I mean? Like, when I heard that the boss of KPMG was stepping down for comments he said, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> what happened? Did he grope someone? Like, was he caught using certain terms? You know what I mean? Did he drop the N-bomb? Like, did he make some homophobic joke? Like, what happened? I thought, oh, it's going to be something mad. It's going to be something crazy. Was he embezzling? You know, like, what could have gone down to make this motherfucker lose his job? And then it's telling people to stop moaning. (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? If if you can get into trouble for that, yo, must be in trouble every motherfucking day. I'm like, what? 
Because, come on, listen, if, you know, if this was, I don't know, what, April, April last year, I might be a bit more inclined to be like, yo, that's kind of cold, man. Shit is ha- just, just happened. People have no clue what's going on. But it's February. <laughs> We've already done a year this year, technically, right? So, I like for Pete, you know, I find it irritating when people still be like, we're currently going through, you know, unprecedented times. Like, everyone needs to band together. Like, when people say shit like that, I'm just like, ugh, shut up. This is boring. It, it, it's just laziness. Yeah, and you, you hear people... Still say certain things and you're just like, shut the fuck up, man. Do you mean? It is it, like, <laughs> listen, yes, it, it's weird, it's awkward, it's irritating. But, yo, it, it could be worse, right? And especially if you're working, it could be worse. Like, listen, you could have lost your motherfucking job. You feel me? Right, so, in the workplace, like, uh, I don't know, right, it's it's hard to really go on what maybe, the, you know, are some of the, you know, complaints about lockdown, right, but I think just to be like, yo, can't, can we just move the fuck on, right, if you're trying to run a meeting, and you're like, yo, can we just move on? On, I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean. Let's let's just ride with it. Yeah, I'm not gonna complain if if some motherfucker says, "Yo, stop complaining, man." Let's just move on. Can we just move on? Get this meeting out of the way. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, for real. Let's do it. Now, I might say he's an asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean, but that's it. I don't like. Other than that, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I remember I used to chair meetings and you're trying to get this shit done and people are sitting down and they were like, oh, so how was your weekend? How was your... I'm like, people, <laughs> we're not doing this shit, all right? We got stuff to talk about. Yo, you can have this conversation elsewhere, but not now. You know what I mean? Like, yo, <laughs> I'm kind of feeling, though, right? There's probably more to this shit, right, you know what I mean, I kind of feel, yo, this dude is probably hated, he's probably hated, and they're just like, oh, we could use this, we could use this to get rid of him, there's a lot of these times, that's what it seems like, you know, like, when, uh, you know, you, you hear, oh, this person has to leave his job, and this person was, you know, a lot of times it's just like, eh, I mean, that doesn't really feel like an incident for that. And then you hear more shit. And you're like, oh, okay. It wasn't really that. But that was the, you know, the thing they could use to make a motherfucker step the plank. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. It's kind of, kind of weird. And you kind of think, man, those KPMP people are bitches, <laughs> just like, suck it up, motherfuckers, 
You mean, ooh, he said something mean. <laughs> I'm, you mean, ah, shit. Like, hey, that's the workplace. I, I remember my first motherfucking office job, right? Man, I was getting paid fucking peanuts. Literally peanuts. Well, no, not literally peanuts. Yeah, I just realised. I mean, like, yeah, literally peanuts. No, that would mean I was actually getting given a bag of peanuts as my pay. No, no. But, yo, for all, seven Gs, right? Seven Gs. But I'm like, all right, I get it. I'm 16. I have no fucking experience. So, yeah, all right, I'm going to take this because I've been promised a big bump once I hit probation. You know what I mean? And I'm thinking, all right, yeah, I think that's what happens, right? I swear I've heard about this shit. So, yeah, I, I you know, and my it was a Greek family business. And, yo, the language in the office was... It wasn't, like, basically, it would not fly right now. It would not fly right now. We're getting told all manner of shit. But it was great. It was fucking great. Because if my boss, like, you know, called me anything, raised his voice, I, you know what I mean? You just sit, sit on it, and then, like, Half an hour, maybe an hour later, he'd come and be like, ah, yeah, Kevin, I apologize. That's my Greek, by the way. He's like, ah, yes, I, I didn't mean to. Uh, you know what? Come, 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 come. I'll buy you lunch today. I'll buy you lunch. I'm like, yes, because my ass could not afford lunch every single day. So I'm coming into work hoping, yo, say something. Call me Malacca. Say something, please. I am hungry. <laughs> I mean, that's how you do. You know what I mean? It's not about trying to get a motherfucker fired. It's about trying to get a lunch. <laughs> but anyway, people, let's move on to some other bullshit. All right? All right, people. So in the past, you may have, you know, bought something or, you know, had a service that you weren't happy with, and yeah, instead of complaining with the firm, you leave a review. You know what I mean? Like, ugh, don't eat at that restaurant, or I'll never stay in that hotel again. You know, that kind of thing. Well, you better watch out, right? Because it could come back to bite you in the arse. Now, a guy in the UK... You know, he, um, he hired a law firm and he wasn't happy, was not happy with the service. So he left a bad review, left a bad review. Now he has to pay £25,000, $35,000, right, in libel fees. Yeah, I know, it seems, seems a little crazy. Right, so, um, yeah, he, he uh, used the law firm Summerfield Brown um, to, uh, to get some advice. Now, what he said was that, basically, right, um, 
He said, I paid up front for a legal assessment of my case, but what I got back was just the information I had sent them reworded. I mean, now, I'm going to say, I would be pissed off with that. I, I mean, I'd be like, what the fuck was that? So, I don't know what the full review was, but he said something along the lines of another scam solicitor. And you kind of think, yeah, it's kind of fair if that's what they did. You know what I mean? Because that's not what you're asking for. But the law firm says that their, their, the number of inquiries had dropped since the review had been published. Which, you know, I mean, it's hard to to actually att- I would say it's hard to well I was gonna say it's hard to attest that on um you know that review but obviously not because they won the case but you would have fought because there are a lot of reasons especially if it was because it doesn't say when this was right so if this was last year I mean the, the lack of people using the firm could be because no one had a lot of shit going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? There are many things that stop people from using. And, I don't know, listen, you, you look at reviews sometimes, depending on the, the product service you want to get, right? And you often see bad reviews, but you weigh them up with the other reviews, you know, you can look at the way something's been written, the words people have used to go, yeah, I don't know if I'd buy that. I don't know if I'd buy that. Right? But they think that that one review, that one review had stopped people from using the service. Now, he said that he had offered to remove the review, you know, remove it. If they just gave him a refund But, you know, supposedly they did not respond Now, the law firm is saying that he didn't contact He didn't make the complaint directly to them Right, and that was a part of their case and how they won I have to say, right, a lot of times you do think What is the point, right, what is the point Because they know what they did, right, they know that this is bullshit, so me complaining, me complaining, is that really gonna do anything, you know, so a lot of times people will not complain about the thing to the people themselves, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think people, you need to be careful, because a bad review could be pretty costly to the pocket, so I think discrimination, you know, and race have always been, yeah, a big part of the music industry. Like everyone knows it goes on, but yeah, we haven't really seen a lot of change. You know what I mean? And then people come out, people come out with all these stories, but you think, what did you do though? <laughs> like. What did you do when it was all going down? 
And I think that is a big part of this new situation. So there is a a dance music label, right? Um, RAS. Um, yeah, they're a big, yeah, big in the um the dance scene, right? So RAS recording, and they are being sued. By a former employee, Raj Chaddery, and um, he is claiming that the the label founder and boss Ranit Vanda Papaliri, you know, had uh, you know discounted music from black recording artists, right? Um, yeah, which. I mean, possibly, right, is definitely possibly a thing, but I think a a lot of the stuff um, Chadri is, like, stating, I, like, you can look at it and kind of be like, I don't know, right, I don't know, it's weird, and he's also claiming for, um, you know, unright lawful dismissal, which again, like when you when you read the incident, you're a bit like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, if I went to my boss and said what he had said, I'd be like, yeah, I'd kind of be expecting it, right? I'd I'd be going if I went to say that. I'd have an out plan ready, you know what I mean, because, yeah, it'd be looking like I I was probably going to get fucked, but also, I wouldn't be looking at working at that place anyway, you know what I mean, that's the, uh, that's the weird thing about all of this, because, you know, we hear Chadri make all of these claims that maybe are true, maybe they're not. Who knows? But right, it is is he hasn't ever said that you know I I hated the environment. I'm look I was looking to leave, <laughs> which you kind of think, why weren't you looking to leave, motherfucker? You know what I mean? Now he's saying that there was a uh, you know just an environment of uh, discrimination. You know, he's saying that the you know um Vander Pepperly had said that you know black artists were meaningless and he said he claimed that the history of techno was a very white which I mean he maybe he said that I don't know right but I kind of feel that when it, like, there are certain things around music that you, and especially if someone owns a label, it is kind of on their taste, hearing to the music they decide to represent, so, you know, I I don't know, like, it, it is a hard thing without proper evidence to, um, you know, to go, yes, that is clearly, that is clearly a case of, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, 
There, there is a lot of this. Now, it is funny because <laughs> you, one of the other employees said, Mr. Rennet van der Peppeli is certainly not racist and everyone at RSA Records embraces equality. Right? Now, that was said by the co-founder. And the co-founder is also his wife. So it does kind of make the statement pointless. Right? If, if someone's going to make a statement, it cannot be your wife. You know, because it's just like, yeah, there's a little bit of bias there. You know, there's a little bit of bias. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's an old label. Like they were started in 84 But all of this went down last year Right, the guy was sacked last September But he's only just filing all of this now And you kind of think, why is it taking all of this time? Right, why has it taken all of this time? And the other part of it all You know, is He's, he's a bit like, well he he made a, a claim, right? Made a big claim saying, if you do not pay me £10,000, right? The remainder of my contract, I will put, bring to light your discriminatory conduct. Which I'm a bit, which again, makes this all a little bit odd. Because... If you feel so highly about the subject, right? If you were so against everything that went down, then you're you're bringing it to light regardless of the money. You know, you can ask for your money. I have no issue with someone asking for money that you know that you you think that I'm deserving of, right? And especially if. You know, you feel that you were sacked unjustfully But If you are claiming that the record label is racist Then You You know what I mean? You, you talk about that regardless of If you get your money or not So essentially what he's kind of saying If he was paid that 10 grand He wouldn't have brought any of this to light which, yeah, that's kind of fuckeries, you know what I mean, I, I, it gives me pause at believing, you know what I mean, shadowy, because, I, I mean, it doesn't kind of sit well, okay, like, if you were going to be quieted for 10 grand, what the fuck is that? 10 grand, I mean, 10 grand, don't get me wrong, 10 grand is a lot of money, but it's not like, oh, I don't have to work again, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, as a payoff, right, as a payoff for this horrible, disgusting behaviour, which you are referencing, 10 grand ain't shit, you know what I mean? You have to be like, wait, you're gonna keep quiet for 10 grand? What the fuck, man? You know what I mean? Like, huh. Okay. Yeah, it, it is a, a very odd thing. Now, 
the reason he was sacked, right, so basically, you know, last year, a, another artist, right, so it a, say it is a former artist of the label, Eddington Again, he had emailed, you know, Vandalapoli, and, you know, basically asked, why haven't you signed more black male and female artists, right, and, um, you know, the the, the, the uh, record owner said, we are not a political party, and I sign music I can find, I don't sign colour, mate, which, you know, like, listen, I definitely am not with discrimination, but I can't really, you know, you can go, ugh, I mean, that is a shitty response, but there, technically there is nothing wrong with that response. You know what I mean? Because, yes, they, I mean, that's what it should be. You know what I mean? It should be you are signing on what you think is quality music, right? You you aren't signing someone just because of their their race or their gender, right? Because if you think their music is shit, why sign them? You know what I mean? So, I think mean, that's what makes music, very, like music art, anything creative, very subjective. Because it is, you know, everyone has different tastes. So what you might really enjoy, I might think is terrible. Right? So, yeah, I, I think as a statement, yeah, you can't really fault that. Right? So, um, you know... He, uh, yeah, so they had this row, right, but the row was online, which is never, well, I mean, it wasn't online, it was email, but the artist put it online, right, and so Chadry went and spoke to his boss, went and spoke to his boss, right, and you know, because I think a lot of the chatter online had been, oh, that's terrible, he should step down, and so, um, yeah, that's what he told him, he, he went to the boss, hearing the founder of the label, and said, everyone online thinks that you're terrible, and you should sh- step down, I agree, you know, kind of like, Guck. and then he's like, and then I was terminated the next day, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, I can see that happening. Like, if you could not see the potential of that happening, you're an idiot. You mean you are an idiot, right? So supposedly, uh, Vanderpelli had told him that he wanted a strong team standing behind the company, which, you know. Technically, yes, you want some, you want people working for you that, you know, ride for you. But, you know what I mean? There are, you know, I think there are limits to that. <laughs> like, if I killed someone, I technically wouldn't expect, you know, my peoples to be like, oh, no, you know what? Yeah. He he might have killed that person for no reason, but you know we stand with no, <laughs> no, 
<laughs> because I would have been in the wrong. I'm an arsehole. You know what I mean? You do not stand with that. So there are things that, you know, like, listen, if someone, you know, comes out with some foul shit, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, I don't mind what they said. No. Now, I, depending on what they said, you know, like, if we take Louis C.K., after all of that stuff, I wouldn't have been like, oh, I hate Louis. I don't, you know what I mean? Because, suppose, you know, as when it all came out, everyone knew, right? Everyone knew. So I'd have been like, ah, Louis, man, what the fuck? I'm, I'm not being like, ah, I hate you. You know what I mean? So I think it comes, there, there's, there's, it's a grey area. Right, it's a grey area But, yeah, if I'm telling someone uh, to, uh, They should step down from their own company Yeah, I'm, I'm not really expecting to be uh, A part of that company <laughs> Going forward So, when Chattery goes Oh, I don't know why I was sacked kind of feel, you're an idiot <laughs> You're an idiot And then you find out that he was like Oh, I'm prepared to stay quiet for 10 grand I, yeah I do not know Right? I do not know Now, it's not to say That Vanda Papaleri Is, you know Clean Right? Not to say that he isn't You know, like a Racist, he isn't, you know, not signing, you know, black artists because, you know, he's an asshole. But I don't think there's proof enough to convict. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe there is more evidence that hasn't come out, but from the stuff that is there. Yeah, I, I I think it's it's dubious. A bit like Chattery. Yeah, I have to say, yeah, look at Raj Chattery and you gotta say a little bit dubious. A little bit dubious. So, uh, things are really moving in France right now, and in a way, it is good, but also, it is a little troubling, right? So, they, they want to bring in some new laws. They've kind of made the announcements that laws just need to be ratified, right? So, one of the laws is to, well, it's a brown, um, actually, they both kind of go hand in hand, right, so, um, what I just didn't know, there is no age of consent in France, right, which, you're like, wait, what, how, how is that a thing, I kind of figured there was an age of consent everywhere, you know, it's just the fact that, you know, in some places, it's not very high. You know what I mean? Which is just ugh, weird. So, yeah, France want to actually finally 
bring in an age of consent, which you're thinking, huzzah. The only thing is, they want to say 15. And it just seems way too low. You know, it, like, you know, they're talking about this problem that has, has been going on for a long time. You know, when they talk about the amount, just the amount of issues that have recently come up, it is horrendous. <laughs> You're just like, oh my God, this is vile. You know, so it, I think it all stemmed from a situation with Oliver Duchamol, right? So he's a, a, a political expert in France. And yeah, it came out that he was, um, yeah, I think abusing like family members or his own children, right? Which is just like, oh, you know, and because of that, thousands, thousands of people came forward with their own stories. So, um, yeah, it's kind of forced you know, the political peoples in France to uh, do stuff. Because also, it came about that, you know, firemen were doing shit. You know, like priests, like modelling agents, all manner of people. And, you know, it's like a lot. Each person is has done it to a, it's not just, it's never just one or two. You know what I mean? It's like the, the fashion person is saying he abused more than 300. More than 300. That is just vile. Vile. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So, one of the first things they want to do is, um, yeah, bring in an age of consent. Right? So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be 15. Which, yeah. Seems young, right? So they say um, an act of sexual penetration by an adult on a minor under 15 will be considered rape, right? So, um, yeah, they're, they're doing that, which, I mean, it is definitely better than nothing, you know what I mean? Definitely better than nothing, gotta say that, but... Yeah, you know, for a a country that is, you know, worried about the amount of cases that are cropping up, you kind of thought it might, like, setting it higher would mean that you can actually deal with all of these foul-ass motherfuckers, you know, because, you know, the justice minister said the government is determined to act quickly to implement the changes that our society expects. I think maybe society would have expected that a 15-year-old is still a child. You know, like a 16-year-old is still a child as well. Like a 16-year-old is not an adult. You know, he is definitely not an adult. Man, it's crazy, right? It is crazy that, you know, that you find out that this shit goes on. You know, like, you know that there is abuse. 
but you kind of want to hope that it isn't as widespread as it does seem to be, you know, and then you've just got all the cover-ups, all the cover-ups, so to deal with that, right, so they want to change the statute of limitation that is currently in place, so, you know, because with, you know, with child abuse, uh, people sometimes they don't come out for years, right, you've suppressed it, and, you know, sometimes, you know, not until people are late in life that then they're like, I could actually talk about this now, right, so at the, at the moment, the, you know, you've got until you're 48, so they're looking to change that, which, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you did it, you did it, yeah, like, there shouldn't be anything that just stops, be like, well, we were going to put you in jail, but, eh, you know, time, so you're allowed out, which actually did happen to a dirty-ass priest, you know, got convicted, and then they had to let him out, had to let him out, which is just fucked up, just fucked up, man, you know, it is terrible, so supposedly, you know, who, the World Health Organization, they have said that in their studies, a one in five women and a one in 13 men have been abused as a kid, which, that is, that is way crazy, you know what I mean, because you just look at those numbers, one in five, or one in 13, right, that means some, basically someone you know, someone you know, has gone through that shit, which, how fucking horrific is that, and I mean, you know, I think, when you learn about these things, it definitely makes you have to kind of reassess behavior, you know what I mean, so when you know someone and they, they're erratic or they do certain things, like, sometimes you just think, oh, that motherfucker, right, but I think as you get older, you realize, oh, there is shit that could be causing this behavior, yeah, and one in five and one in 13, I mean, that definitely is something that, yeah, you have to think, you know what I mean, like, is that, is that behind it, like, what the fuck, you know, so, there is, uh, yeah, there's big changes moving in France, so, uh, I mean, at least they're doing something, right, at least they're doing something, you know, it, it, it's just a 15, it's just like, oh, right, they're saying, um, you know, the idea is that, you know, that having this law in place is going to stop people from uh, saying that they consented to sex, <laughs> and I'm just like, Wait, do people actually believe that, like, a 13-year-old can say... And, listen, you can twist a kid to agree to anything. And they don't even really... They wouldn't even really know 
he'll be like, yo, do you want some, uh, do you want some puppies? Oh, well, we just got to do some sexy stuff, right? You down for that? Oh, yeah, 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 I don't know, the puppies. You mean, they're just hearing puppies. Anything else is just whatever. So, yeah, technically, they said yes, but it's a fucking 13-year-old motherfucker. A, a yes is not, yo, that, that's like, you know, from anyone that's drunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Asking someone that is fucked up, drunk, or just on any arebriant, you know, asking them something. Like, it is, is, you know, it's not right. You don't do it. You know? God damn. So it's, it's, some people are just fucking sick, man. Just, like, turns my stomach. Right? You, you, I have to say, right? If you, if you know, you're gonna beat a motherfucker to death, right? I mean, it is that shit that makes you think, I do not really believe in certain things, but if someone, like, yo, you knew someone was doing some shit, hey, you gotta fuck that person, you gotta fuck that person up, okay, hey, ah, fuck, man, hey, but yeah, hey, yeah, just ratify those laws, friends, ratify those motherfucking laws, Yo, I have to say, this is fucking crazy, right? So, um, yeah, on Sunday, well, it's like, you know, Monday, early Monday morning, right, in Louisiana, a, um, a 10-year-old girl was kidnapped, right? So it's between 1 and 2 p.m. Actually, no, that isn't in the morning. That is in the afternoon. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Alright, so between 1 and 2 p.m. this girl was kidnapped. God damn. That makes it even worse. That makes it even... Because I was thinking... When I saw this, I'm like, okay, it was 1 or 2 in the morning. Hey, maybe that girl escaped anything nasty. But, alright, it means she was with the dude for a lot longer. God damn, that's foul shit. Right, but yeah, she she was kidnapped from a family home, and um, yo, this is insane, right? So basically, two uh, you know bin men, right? A, a Dion Merrick and Brandon Antone, they were you know just doing their job early Monday morning. And they spotted a car in a field, right? Spotted a car in a field. And they're just like, oh, there is something wrong about that shit. Which, yeah, if you saw a car in the middle of a field, you're thinking, like, either, I don't know. But it ain't, it ain't right, right? Yeah, you think you would think something is wrong with this picture. Yeah, like maybe there's you know, you hear about oh, I think it's Tom Segura. Yeah. I think Tom Segura is saying about a time when he uh 
he they he, him and Christina were driving and they saw a a motorbike in the middle of a field and so what happened the guy had kind of had an accident and veered off and landed in this field and yeah well, I had like bad back you know what I mean he was fucked up and I think if they hadn't have seen seen him he would have died so you're thinking it's an accident or something right something so what so what happened was they uh you know saw something was up so they parked their van blocking the escape route basically then called the police and it turns out it was that 10 year old girl right they they found a the dude who who took her and they saved that fucking girl i mean that is Whew. I you you could not hope for that shit to end that way. That is incredible, incredible, man. Ah, uh, and like um, now <laughs> so they worked for a uh, Pelican Waste, right? Um, and uh, I mean their CEO posted a statement saying how proud he is of them. I hope he gave them some money for that shit. You know what I mean? Like, Riz, yeah, you can post a statement saying you are proud, but hook those motherfuckers up. Because he's just saved a 10-year-old fucking girl. That is... I mean, you... you I mean, people do some good shit, but that... That is incredible. That is huge. Right, so it turns out, right, so the girl was kidnapped by this guy, Michael Cyril, 33, and motherfucker was on the sex predator list, right, on the sex predator list, but did not tell anyone, didn't tell anyone, yeah, and you're just like, god damn, Right, these there's these lists that are meant to be there to help, but yeah, the people are meant to, you know, tell people, right? But yeah, he didn't, so he is yeah getting charged with aggravated kidnapping, and then failure to register as a sex offender. I, ugh, yeah. I like you you can just you just wanna hope that he hadn't actually touched a girl. You just wanna hope that he hadn't. Because you know what I mean like having her from one one PM all the way till Monday morning it's a while. It's a goddamn while. So I mean I'm hoping but at least the girl is safe now. At least she is free. And yeah, can man, you just hope just hear me? Just I don't know, rebuild. I mean, hopefully this doesn't yes, completely fuck her life up. But uh yo, mad props to uh you know, to those two dudes for saving her. Because yeah, that that's big man. Dion Whew. Yeah, 
Dion and Brandon, man. They, who, props to those dudes. There have been loads of films and TV series about people stranded, right? And you often watch them and think, could someone really survive? Could someone really survive all that time? Well, <laughs> three Cubans did just that, right? So, um, yeah, they were found on an island. Found on an island between um, Cuba and Florida, right? In the Bahamas. It was uh, Ang- Angulia K. I think that, that that's how how you pronounce it, but um, yeah, their their ship had sunk, so they were able to swim to the island. That's what they they uh, told their rescuers. But basically, I mean, this is so fucking crazy. The Florida, um, yeah, it's between the Florida Keys, but um, the the Coast Guard. You know, they were out on their routine flight. And, um, you know, the pilot says that something caught the attention of my eye. You know, and when he came back around at a lower altitude, he then spotted the people on the island, you know, waving a makeshift flag, which, whew, how goddamn lucky is that, right, that is the craziest thing, the craziest thing, hey, but, um, you know, he says that no one could really speak Spanish, but he was able just to be, to make out that they'd been on the island for 33 days, so they, they were able to drop them some water and food, and then go and get some, uh, you know, more help to actually get them off this goddamn island, all right, so it was two men and a woman, right, two men and a woman stuck on this island, and basically, so he said that the island is pretty barren, Right, it's pretty barren. Now there is some shrubbery and some trees. That's the description. You know, shrubbery and some trees, which does not. You mean doesn't exactly sound like a forest. You mean just some trees, but you know, maybe not having a forest was a bit lucky. Because you'd kind of then wonder, what kind of monsters might have been there? You know what I mean? Because that's another thing. Whenever you hear these stories and you, you know, on the TV and the film, and you'd be like, yo, where were all the dangerous creatures? Okay, so, yeah, being a sparse island probably is helpful in that regard. But then you do think, what the fuck would you eat? So, they suppose they were able to get, you know, nourishment from coconuts. Right? you got to think, God, it's so lucky it was coconuts. Because, you know, it's got the, the milk inside, 
and then you've got the the flesh. So, you know, it, it's not the greatest, but at least you are getting fluid as well as, you know, so a bit of substance to eat. Now, they were also able to um, survive on rats. Ugh, rats and conches, which... Yeah, that's not so pleasant. And are you just thinking, I wonder if they were able to cook those rats. Going, or did they have to eat those rats raw? Which, oh. And the other problem with rats is because rats have that disease. I forget what it's called. But basically, there's no cure. Oh, shit, rats have rabies as well, which, again... I think if you catch rabies mad early, you can deal with it. But otherwise, yeah, there's no cure. Right? So that is the issue with eating rats. I mean, like, yeah, it, it, it might hold off the hunger, but you could also be dead pretty soon. So, um, whoo, I, yeah. Gotta think these motherfuckers are lucky as hell. Lucky as hell, man. And so, um, yeah, they, they were taken to a medical center in Florida and um, no serious injuries, which, whew, I mean, that's big, right? That is also big. There's a, there must be sharks and shit in that water, right? Yeah, gotta think. There is definitely shit, because there's, oh shit, there's crocodiles in Florida too, right, and you get the saltwater crocodile, so crocodiles or alligator, one of the two, right, I mean, either, they're not pleasant, <laughs> you wouldn't want to meet either, so yeah, gotta think, they were able to avoid those sharks, like, and what other fucking crazy ass things that could kill you in the ocean, so, these people, oh my god, that's a lot, right, so, um, yeah, I mean, they were taken to hospital, but now they're in, uh, you know, immigration, um, but uh, there's, it, it doesn't actually say if they were trying to, you know, leave Cuba for the, to, to get to the States, and I don't know, after going through that, I'm kind of like, yeah, give them a green card. <laughs> like, if that's what they would try to do, give them a green card. They've gone through a lot. That's a lot. Oi. But, yo. Man, thank God for that Coast Guard. Because it's not like he clearly saw three people. He just noticed something and was, huh, let me take another look. So, just, that that's big. Because... You gotta think there's there's probably that odd day where he's just like, eh, probably seeing things. I gotta get back to the office. Hear me? So whew, that is big. That is big that um, you know, he uh he turned back. So yeah, hats off to that dude. I think his name is um Riley Bleacher. Not Beecher, 
So, um, yes, mad props to Riley Beecher for saving those f- f- poor ass free people. Man, yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? I think the word hero does get thrown around way too much of recent, but that's kind of a hero. He say he literally did save those three people. So yeah, props to him. And I think, um, yeah, I think we can, you know, move on to other stuff now. I think mean, that's that's a that's a story to end this lot of uh, you know things on. So um, yeah. Let's go on to some other, other bit more pleasant stuff, <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, people, yo, chin check. Today, we are looking ahead at UFC 258. Haha, it is taking place this Saturday, people. Second pay-per-view of the year. Teammate versus Teammate. Well, I mean, they used to be. No longer. But it is Gilbert Burns trying to wrest away Kamara Usman's welterweight belt. Oh, this one is going to be fun. So we look ahead at the card, we break it down, give you our predictions, all that good stuff. So once you are done with this, go check that out. All right? Share with your peoples too. But let's get on with this episode. Okay, so this week I checked out Bonding, which is a uh, a series on Netflix. Okay, so um, yeah, I don't know. It's an it's an interesting thing, and I think the real interesting thing about bonding is the episode lengths. You know, so they're about I don't know what fifteen to seventeen minutes an episode, right? Which, yeah, that that in itself is, uh, yeah, it's really interesting because it, you know it's playing with the. You know, the confines of what we know of a TV series. You know, it's usually, it's, what, 30 minutes, ranging to an hour. You know what I mean? So, the fact that this isn't, and it's short, right? It's like, huh, okay. And, um, you know, when you can't sleep, you, you need things to keep you occupied. And sometimes you look at a show and it's an hour. And it's just like, I know I'm not going to sleep, but I kind of want the idea that I, I'm going to try at least. So I don't want to get into something that's an hour long, right? So something like this, perfect, right? So um, season two uh, kind of came out just, I don't know, a, a month or so ago. So I figured, ah, you know, let me get back to it. Because so I knew I'd started it. But I, I forgot how far in I got, which um I ha- basically hadn't. I watched one episode. That was that was it. So uh, yeah, I basically um yeah just <laughs> watched the rest while um you know trying to uh, yeah drift off, which just didn't happen. So this is created by Reuter Doyle. 
you know, and it is, you know, Doyle, so he, you know, he created it, um, wrote it, um, I think he directed some of it, it's composed by music, Adam Crystal, uh, executive producers, again, Doyle, Dara Gordon, Jacob Perlin, Nina Sarino, Tom Shebri, and David Siguni. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the, the main gist. Like, our two main characters are Tiffany Chester, otherwise known as Tiff, who is played by Zoe Levin. And then you've got Peter, Pete, Devin, or Carter. Yes. Oh, and Tiff is also goes by Mistress May. Right, and um, yeah, Pete is played by Brendan Chanel. Chanel? Chanel? Yeah, I think that's probably how you say it. We've also got um, a character called Doug, played by Mitch Stock. Um, we have another one called Daphne, played by Darcy Carden. Um, Pete's got a boyfriend called Josh, played by Theo Stockman. Um, Pete's flatmate is Frank, played by Alex Hunt. His girlfriend is Portia, played by Gabriel Ryan. Um, we've got Eric Berryman, who plays Andy, who's Daphne's husband. Um, we've also got Fred, another of Tiff's clients and um he's played by charles gould uh we've got rolf who is tiff's client and manservant for a bit and he is played by matthew wilkes uh yeah i think they're the kind of oh and alicia umphreys is murphy she's a stand-up who um is with Pete, like we see her with Pete kind of thing, right, I think they're kind of a lot of the main people, so the gist of the show is this, Tiffany is a psychology student moonlighting as a dominatrix, she enlists the help of Pete, uh, her gay best friend from high school to be her assistant, the semi-estranged characters reconnect in Manhattan, where Pete works as a waiter and as an aspiring stand-up comedian with stage fright. Tiff struggles as she balances her personal life with her school and her job, as well as Pete's exposure to sadomachanism and BDSM and how it gradually helps him become liberated in his life. Right, so, um, the show seemed to pick up a lot of controversy, a lot of controversy around its portrayals of, um, you know, BDSM and sex workers and the like. Now, uh, an interesting thing is, like, Doyle, you know, he, he says that it's, like, loosely based on his, you know, life experiences, and you're like, okay, right, but when, um, you know, he's bit like, there's a lot of sex workers were complaining about the show, he says that his life experience was 
and this is a quote from him as a young gay man struggling still struggling with my own sexuality guarding the door while one of my best friends from home tied a naked man to a four-poster bed and whipped him was jarring to say the least and you're like wait that was your experience like that's it yeah it, it, it's, it's a bit right it's i don't know because you're like if you're writing a show about dominatrix you'd think you would do some research <laughs> which he did not you know, you're just like oh you had one experience jarring a door oh no how crazy you know i'm like fine it's fine to use that as the uh you know the jump off point for something but yeah do some goddamn research you know what i mean it's kind of crazy that he didn't and you know like the show is i guess it's fine it's just it's nothing groundbreaking yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things here. Biz, you know, we start off with, like, Pete. And he turns up at this, you know, like, stairs. He walks down, there's a doorway, it's all dark. He knocks. Someone's like, what's the password? And then he's like, oh, uh, uh, I don't, oh, I don't know the pup. And then the door gets slammed, and then he's like, I know Tiff, I know Tiff. So he walks in and it's all dark and, you know, all we're hearing is screaming. A load of screaming. And it's like, it's not screams of pleasure. You know what I mean? Then you've got someone thrown against the wall and being like, hey, never put your hands on a dom. You know, and just all this, it looks murky and nasty and, you know what I mean? Which probably... I mean, it is a huge stereotype, like, when, I mean, you hear about this stuff, you know, and then you go into a room, and there's Tiff, and she's like, oh, I've got this job, and I think a big narrative going through is, like, Pete, like, oh, you didn't tell me, you didn't ask me if I wanted to do this job, you know, you tricked me, and, like, Tiff's like, oh, if I had told you what we were going to be doing, you wouldn't have done it. Which is, I mean, it's it's one of those things. But I'm kind of like, he was told. You know what I mean? Like, but she's like, yeah, he's, he's, it opens and he's like, um, oh, you said you were a, a 999, you know, a, a, a yeah, a, a, a hospital teleperson. And she's like, oh, yeah, I lied. You know what I mean? I'm a, I'm a dom, and what I need you to be is my bodyguard. Right? And assistant. Kind of like Kevin Costner's character in the in the bodyguard film. Right? But she's like, you know, I want you to be my bodyguard and to help me out. Be my assistant. Right? So he's got an idea of what is needed. And listen... Not everyone knows the intricacies, even, of what a dominatrix is. But, you have an inkling. 
you know what I mean? Now, some of the things you might come up with might not be correct, but there is an understanding, there is an idea. So I kind of find the 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 whole, you didn't tell me what I was getting, I'm like, listen, you were told what you wanted to be, and then you were said, like, do you want to do it or not? And he chose yes, because he needed the money, right? So I think that's one of the irritating things going through it, because it's like he's getting paid, right? She is his boss. Like, he asked for 50-50 straight out the gate, where he's like, oh, what's the cut? And she's like, 20% of what I make, which, you know, isn't bad. And he's like, 50-50. And he's like, no. And even later on, as you get in the series, he's, you know, wanting a whole heap more for really not doing that much. And it's like, what the fuck? Right? There is a a lot that is kind of going on in this series is, you know, basically the, the, a kind of a current trend of where you're seeing people wanting without putting as much into shit, which is baffling. So we're following this also, you know, she's a psychology student, which again, it just seems very cliche, right? And he's a, he, he's a wannabe comic, right? He's a wannabe comic and he's got stage fright, right? Which is, you know, one of those things, right, so we start off with him not really having any stage time, scared of getting up there, that's the norm, right, now, we have the series, and season two picks up supposedly 10 months after season one, right, but now, in season two, Pete, is, you know, he's got groupies in the comedy, like, he's got, you know, he's filling out clubs, he's a headliner, and you're just like, wait, hold the fuck on, like, what? Yeah, that was just ridiculous. You know, it, 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 what I don't understand is you've got this other comic who's there, who, again, they make it very cliche, right, his friend Murphy, she's a woman, and they have her talking about periods, which I'm like, listen, don't get me wrong, a good period joke is fine, but having that her first material, it's a little cliche, right, little cliche, and I think you have her who, you know, she's been, seems like she's been doing it for a while, right? But then Pete is the more successful of the two of them, which are just like, huh? And the jokes that you hear from him, I don't know. Like, listen, I mean, to be like they're terrible, I wouldn't even say that because, you know, different people, different taste, right? But I will say, it's all cliche, right, you listen to me, the jokes are just all cliche, right, which is fine, 
you know, because again, people can like different things. But you have him, him like referring to other people, be like, uh, well, all your material is this, and uh, you're just that. And you're like, yo, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Because we're meant to be looking at Pete as this hard done by character. Do you know what I mean? That, that's how it seemed to be so. It's a hard die by character and it's just like he's always getting put upon and oh, he's more than this and you can't just say he all his comedy is, is this or blah, blah, blah. But then we have him doing exactly that to other people. You know what I mean? Which is mind-blowing, right? Another thing that you find Right, because as mentioned, at the start, like, we're being sold that, you know, she's kind of tricked Pete into getting into this lifestyle and all of this, right? But everything seems to, like, whenever there's an issue, right, we're meant to be seeing Tiff apologize to Pete. When... He seems to be the fucking problem, right? I, I, I just find it, it, it's it's a weird one because, you know, that's the character that they've kind of built up the most. Tiff, she is just a little one-dimensional, right? You you have her saying, oh, you know, because she's an asshole, essentially, Right, that's how they're kind of showing it, and she's just like, "Oh, I am who I am, and I do what I do because I was assaulted." Which, again, cliche. You know, people only get into sex work because of, you know, trauma. And listen, yes, <laughs> I don't get me wrong. You you hear a lot of you know sex workers might do interviews and talk, and yeah. Granted, some have done that. Some have gone through that journey. But then some are just like, yeah, I just like, I like this. You know, so it, you could have had her, her story be so many things, but they just went the cliche route. And everything she does is just a little cliche. Right? Like, you know, there's a guy who she starts dating... But it's just like, I can't say I like you. You know, just all of that. And oh, I think at one point she slips and says, oh, you're my boyfriend. He's like, oh, oh, no, that was a mistake. And it's all like, oh, no, I said he was my boyfriend. And he's just like, oh, God damn it. Come on, man. Like, we could, be we could build a story on more things than this. You know what I mean? That's what, like, again, it's not terrible. It's just, yeah, I feel that they could have reached higher. Do you know what I mean? They, they, they could have done a little bit more. Like, um, you know, season one ends with a, a crazy, because this is, the setup of this all is, really, what, we, what we're told is May is a, you know, highly in demand, very popular and successful dominatrix, right? That's the gist that we've been told. But she takes a, um, 
you know, a home call offer without vetting the person. And you're like, wait, if you're highly in demand, if you are so good and so popular and so busy, why are you taking this client, right? Because it's like, oh, the money was too good to refuse. But if you were so busy, it does that like that wouldn't really matter. You know what I mean? And it's like without vetting, like they that and it doesn't offer up a another re like a logical reason for that happening. Right? I think that's the big issue. There is no logical reasoning for a a lot of the stuff that goes down. You know? Which is yeah, baffling. It's baffling. So this, but this then helps change the dynamic for season two. And you can see in season two that they have done some, you know, consultation. They like they changed it. They're trying to, um, like, even though they try to, I don't know, put a little bit more on Tiff's character, they still don't. Right? They they still don't and they still do some typical shit. Like they have Doug's ex turn up. Like Doug is Tiff's boyfriend. Or, you know, the guy she dates who doesn't want to call a boyfriend. So they have his ex turn up. Right? Boom. That's what. Then there's a point where there's a conversation that he overhears but doesn't hear it all. And then he's in a bad mood, and it's just like, again, just to clear, like, you're both psychological, psychology students, you'd think a conversation, right? But no, that's not her. Like, another thing is, Doug, he, like, he steps out into the, he just crosses roads without looking, right? And you know, you just know, this is going to lead to something, you know what I mean? It's just going to lead to something, right? Because he's always just near misses and escaping from any bad issues. And it's just like, okay, fine, we get it. Right, so this is like, this is some shit, right? And then there is another argument between Tiff and Pete. But you're looking at it and like, yo, it's all on Pete, right? But... They, they want to sell it like, you know, she's the, the one in the wrong. When? When you're looking at it, he's doing this work because he needs the money, right? But he solely wants to be a standard. She's doing it because this is what she wants to do. So you have Pete fucking around all the time, which... Again, it's just all a little cliche, like picking up a dildo and pretending to, you know, blow it. And it's just things like that. There's, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, God damn it. Come on, man. Like, if you're a kid, you might do that, but you're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you'd think, I, if, if you were going to make a, like, there's more jokes that could be made. You know what I mean? I'm not saying you couldn't, wouldn't make a joke, but it's just... You'd make better jokes, right? And, and and so, you know, he's fucking around. So she's just a bit like, I maybe 
this isn't your thing, right? And, you know, she doesn't always bring him along to stuff. And then he gets bent out of shape and it's like all this big thing. And you're just like, right, but it's never addressed that he was putting this shit in jeopardy. Which are just like, but that's clear to everyone that's been watching. You know, the, the, with the certain things that have been said, what he is doing is putting their shit in jeopardy, right? Which is baffling. Also, he's the bodyguard, but she saved him at the end of season one, right? It's just this shit that is, seems to get forgotten, and it's just like, oh, she's bad. And you're like, wait, what are we doing here? Right? It's, it's just, it makes no sense. So it's easy to watch because it's you know very short and it's just not very deep at all but I, I i found the cliches kind of just irritating you know just the way it's getting built up and all of this and then it's just you know you can't like there's a bit in season one where you know i think they took with a client and I think the client's like, oh, are you two dating? Which you're just like, I don't know where you would even get that. And I, it, from the giddy up, it's pretty obvious that Pete is gay. And she's like, no, we're friends. And he's gay anyway. And he's like, that's my information to tell. Right? He's all on this, that's my information to tell. Even with the obvious shit. But he is happy to tell other people's stuff. Which again, not addressed, not addressed, which is, for us, it, it just makes it like, wait, what the fuck is happening here, you know? So, listen, I think if you don't look at it deeply, it's fine, right? I'm, I'm sure a lot of people can watch it and just be like, oh yeah, it's amusing, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, I, it, it just got irritating a lot of the times so i don't know I, I, I man if it gets a season three who knows will i watch a season three i i don't know like i think the, the way i'd probably watch season three is if i just i'm not sleeping which yeah <laughs> i'm hoping the shit changes because it's so frustrating but um yeah i don't know it's not, like, it's not one of those things that I'm going to be, you know, jumping off, well, jumping off the rooftop. I'll be shouting off the rooftop to, to people. You know, there's some shows and films and stuff that you'd be like, yo, you need to watch this. It's not one of those. But if you like certain things, you know, if you like that easy-going stuff, I think, like, The Good Place... Because I found that humour very simplistic and, yeah, so you might, again with Shitch Creek, although everyone raves about it, I don't know, it irritated me. I only watched two episodes. No, maybe three. No, actually I watched four. No, I watched five. I did, yeah, I watched five. Yeah, I'm from my memory. I watched five because everyone kept on telling me it was great, but I just hate, didn't like it. 
But yeah, though that kind of humor just seems similar to bonding. So maybe if you, yeah, you might want to give it a go. It's short. It is very short and quick. So yeah, I know people. There you go. It's bonding. There's two seasons on Netflix, and uh, you can get through it in poof, half a day. No, quicker than that. Like it's 15 minutes an episode. You know what I mean? Nothing crazy. So yeah, go have fun. Alright, people, so this week I checked out Doom, which is book one in Octavia E. Butler's um, Zion Genesis series. Or um, I think it's also collected as Lilith's Bond. Right, now, look, for ages I've, you know, heard of Butler. And she's written a ton of books. But for whatever reason, I hadn't got around to, you know, reading any. And, uh, yeah, I feel, believe there was a sale on Audible, right? Which is uh, a lot of my gateways into certain things. And, uh, yeah, I saw that they had, you know, Dawn. And I was like, yo, this is perfect opportunity. All right, let me grab that. So, yeah, that's what I did, people. That's what I did. So, um, it is narrated by Aldridge Barrett. And the uh, the gist of the book is this. Lilith Iwaipu awoke from a centuries-long sleep to find herself aboard the vast she-ship, shape-ship, mm, spaceship, even, of the Onkali. Creatures covered in writhing tentacles. The Onkali had saved every surviving human from a dying ruined earth. They healed the planet, cured cancer, increased strength, and were now ready to help Lilith lead her people back to Earth, but for a price. Yeah. It's very like, ooh, (laughs) what is this? Now, I really enjoyed this because it's weird, right? It's weird. And also, you kind of feel that this is a really good, and I think maybe the best representation of how people would probably react if, you know, encountered by aliens, right? And especially... It was funny because I, I read this just as, um, oh, God, I forget the dude's name now, which is just irritating. But uh, Joe Rogan on um, you know, his podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, he had a guy who um, was abducted by aliens, like one of the best known people. I wouldn't say his name is Walter something, but I might be wrong there. And... Um, the way he described it was kind of really similar to how Butler has in Dawn. You know, you're just like, yo, you know? And this was written in 1987. So, you know, I, I, I forget when he was abducted. I think, he, I, he, I think it's one of those things that not everyone believed and all of this. So for her to... I think write this the these stories and kind of 
pick on a similar tone. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, because so you know, we as the book goes on, we get Lilith kind of rec- you know having memories of Earth, right, and recalling to herself Earth, and so you get the feeling that that some big war had gone on, right, a nuclear war, and yeah, we'd kind of wiped ourselves out or done immense damage. So not everyone was dead but something had gone down and um it meant that yeah the earth was fucked <laughs> so the oncology had come and uh, saved everyone right and because of that you know they they kind of had frozen humans in on their ship and they were awaking them to kind of study them and to understand them and you know in a in a way to be able to you know heal them and repopulate the planet which yeah they had fixed but it's you know she'd been asleep for like 250 years i mean so so long last time right now i mean the the life expectancy had increased but that's still a, a long time Right, it's a real long time, and it is the, the earth. We get the sense of the earth is very much changed. You know, like the you know the Oncoli always mentioned that yo know, some of the species that you know um, no longer exist. Others they've changed. You know, what I mean, plants are different. So some that you thought were safe to eat now might be poisonous. And then others that you don't know. So, yeah, there's all this stuff that people will now have to relearn when they eventually get back to Earth. But the Oncoli are doing all of these kind of, yeah, tests on people and, you know, all, all these different things. Because from the sound of it, they aren't pleasant to look at. They aren't pleasant to look at and they scare the shit out of you. So it took a while for Lilith to get used to them and to, you know, be happy with them touching you. You know, they've cured her of cancer. They've helped her out. But even after all of that, there's this suspicion, there's this doubt. And you're like, yeah, that's true. Because, you know, what we see in this in this book, yo, know, the Oncoli have been pretty good to Lilith and the other humans. But, you know, when we're just with Lilith, you know, even though she understands this, she still doesn't necessarily trust them or like them at first. You just, after, you know, seeing, like, a lot of different things. So, yes, 2020 was a shitty year. But, you know, we've seen the way people react, right? We, we've seen it numerous times with numerous events that have gone on. And people, yeah, they're shitty, right? They are shitty. Everyone always says, like, oh, these big things will make us band together. No, no, they don't. You, like, people might be like, yay, we with each other for a minute. And then it all changes. It all changes. And then people are just grabbing for, you know, I want control of this and I want that. And no, I, you've got different views from me. I don't like you. 
right? So knowing how they are, it, it then made everything that went down in this book, you're just like, yeah, of course that's what would happen. And that's what, even if these aliens did help you, yes, of course you would do this. Because, you know, when people do something, they can put you asleep, right? Sometimes they'll put you asleep and put you back into hibernation. And other times, you know, you're just knocked out and you'll wake back up in your room. And, you know, then it kind of, then they talk to you and yeah so it's these different approaches but you're just like yeah it makes sense man of course that makes sense right so Lilith did have a husband and a kid but they both died right now I think the kid had died before well it was a traffic accident that kind of killed killed them both killed the kid outright and a husband he was you know, in a, a vegetative state from months before he died. So, yeah, there'd, there'd been this, oh, man, big trauma to her. So she's dealing with that and then this oncology situation. So it's interesting seeing how she, you know, embraces it all. And then the oncology are like, yo, we want to make you the shepherd. So you you will teach other humans that reawaken and get them used to this situation so then we can put you back on Earth. And so we get to see her thought process on who she might wake up and then it's like um, how she deals with it all. So it's all really interesting. You know, because we get to see this whole whole kind of situation play out and it makes so much sense that you're looking at it and thinking yeah I I definitely see how that would how that would go because I think the big thing is oftentimes we see these stories of post-apocalyptic you know worlds and like some of the shit that goes down you're like yeah, what? I don't believe that's a thing. Like, in the first, is it 28 Days Later? I think that's the first one, right? There's that bit when the army try, those soldiers want to kidnap the woman and the kid. You know, because they haven't had sex. Haven't had sex in months, years, however long. And so, yeah, they're prepared to basically rape this woman and this kid. For if I remember correctly, she's, I don't know, she's younger than 15, right? Yeah, I think she's, like, meant to be 13, 14, which is just like, ooh. But these soldiers don't give a fuck. And you're just a bit like, yeah, of course some people would do that. Right? If, if they've been without this shit for so long, it's just like, I well, yeah, fuck it. We're going to do whatever. Going to do whatever. Because we see, look, people are rapists and murderers now. And, and that's in a, a situation where there is an abundance of stuff around. Right now, you, yeah, it, it might not come easy to everyone, but it's there. And if you put in the work, there's things that you can get. 
So if people act in a certain way now, what the fuck would they be like when the world is now back to the Stone Ages, essentially? And so, you know, I thought that was interesting that they, they, they actually showed that. But you don't always see it. You know, we don't always see it in these post-apocalyptic worlds. So when these sort of things come up in Dawn, you're like, okay, yes, that would make sense. And then the actions of people afterwards, even though Summer, you're just like, oh, oh no, why would they do that? You're just like, yeah, you get it. You know, you'd be like, okay, yeah, no. I mean, that may, I can see people doing that thing for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Right. So it was, it was fascinating because of that. Right. I, I really did enjoy this book. There's nothing, nothing was essentially easy. And everything was this building process. And you're watching it and the way these different personalities are interacting and forming these relationships and these bonds. And even with all the information, right, people are still, yeah, still being people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Still being people. So, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, right? And, um... Yeah, you're looking at it and you're thinking this is all, all extremely viable, right? So the big thing is, will they get back to Earth? Like, what's going to happen now? Because we're seeing how the Onkali change people. And also this, uh, like this thing that they do, which isn't necessarily, like, it's not necessarily unwanted by people but there are consequences which no one really understands until so it is very interesting to see that aspect of it and then how that will impact things right and the way it ends oh yeah it, it opens up a lot right Without spoiling, it definitely opens up a lot. So I am intrigued, very much intrigued to, uh, you know, see where this goes. Because, yeah, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it, people. So I highly recommend checking out Dawn. If you like sci-fi, if you like, you know, post-apocalyptic, alien, you know, those types of storylines, yeah this will be for you, so, um, you know, the second book in this trilogy is ad Adulthood Rights, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I, I mean, I, I got it, <laughs> I picked it up, so, yeah, I, I will be getting to it, yeah, pretty soon, I'd imagine, people, so, um, yeah, you can hear my thoughts on that, and hopefully, hopefully, the consistency will stay, but uh, yeah, we will see, right? We will see.
Okay, people. So we are coming to an end on another episode. Hey, I gotta say, I, I wasn't even sure an episode was going out today. Been having so many computer issues. It is insane. Spent a day on the phone with Apple, but we got it kind of sorted. It's still not fully sorted. I'm still in the weeds, but we can get this out. So that is a good look, right? Um, but yes, we were reaching the end of this episode. So let's look and see what's happening in the world of TV. And we're getting a lot of reboots, people. I don't know if, you know, the creative juices have completely dried up. <laughs> or the studios are just a mad, let's play it safe. But that's what we're doing. And two of those are um, at the CW. Okay, so we are getting a, um, a, yeah, a new version of the 4400. So it, it's coming from Arena Jackson and Anna Frickle who, uh, you know, help on Riverdale and uh, behind the Walker, Walker, Texas Ranger, Walker, Texas Ranger, is that what it was? But it's now called Walker, but they, they did that, right? So um, it, it's along the lines of the original series, you know what I mean? So, you know, uh, mysteriously a load of people mysteriously vanished over the many years of the 20th century suddenly all returned in an instant having not aged a day with no memory of what happened to them as the government races to analyze the potential threat those who returned must grapple with the emerging powers they've been returned with and the increase in likelihood that they were all brought back for a specific reason. Bum, bum, bum. So yeah, that's coming. Now, the one that sounds more interesting and, you know, to say it's a reboot is probably uh, a bit off. You know what I mean? Because... It's not quite a reboot, right? So it's a live action Powerpuff Girls. Yeah, I know, right? So the, the thing that is kind of interesting about this is, right? So the titular trio are now disillusioned 20-somethings who recently have spent, who resent having spent their entire childhood fighting crime and struggling to reunite as the world needs them more than ever. So, I mean, I kind of like that idea, right? That sounds fun. It does actually also sound like, oh, I believe it was Marvel, they rebooted, I think it was the New Mutants. I believe it was the New Mutants. Or maybe it was just another series that brought in all the child sidekicks. It was something like that. And it, yeah, it was like all the child sidekicks and they all met at an AA type group. And they would talk about how their lives had been affected. And then it kind of went on from there. So yeah, I mean, that's it, 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 that, it, this reminds me of that. You know what I mean? 
but um, this is coming from Heva Regina and um, Cody Diabli 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 Diablo Diablo Cody yes Diablo Cody oh my gosh um yeah so so they're working along with Craig McCracken who um created the original cartoon series whoo gosh finally got it out now HBO Max they're rebooting one thing so they I think they they kind of had talked about the idea last year uh, and it's clone high so um you know, this was a, a show originally from Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Bill Lawrence, and they're all coming back to do this new version. So, um, yeah, you know, Miller and Lord will write, and um, along with Lawrence, they will also executive produce. So, um, Erica Rivananja is um writing this series as well i think she was also writing on the original she's also show running and it's uh yeah basically um following the original concept of a school where clones of historical figures go i mean it sounds odd i don't e- i never even saw the original but yeah there you go now this is a little uh, another strange one so um velma yeah velma um what's her name uh dickerings dinkley velma dinkley you know from the scooby squad or um mystery inc you know she's um getting a series yeah i know it, it seems odd right it's 10 episodes and it's uh, basically it's an origin story that will examine um you know who the hell she is right so uh, it's gonna get under the the orange jumper as it were uh mindy kaling will be voicing velma hmm so yes could be interesting right um now Warner Media have announced that Search Party will be getting a fifth season. Mm-hmm. So fans of that, you can look forward. Uh, now also, Netflix are bringing um, a spin-off of the launch, the Last Chance University franchise. Yeah, you know I mean, like it's been American football, but now it's spinning into basketball. So um, this new series will follow um, the uh, East Los Angeles College Huskies. Ah, it's going to be eight episodes, and it's um, yeah, Greg Whiteley is still behind it. So um, yeah, I know could be interesting right i do kind of like those you know bare bones looks at stuff so yeah ah, we'll, we'll see what happens right so um you know 
the Obamas signed a huge deal with Netflix last year and they have started to announce what will be part of that so there's two series amongst the films so first is Firekeeper's Daughter right so it's been called a young adult series and um, it, it's based on Angeline Booley's book uh, and it follows um, yeah an 18 year old native girl who reluctantly goes undercover in a police investigation on her Ojibwe reservation so um, Mikey Fisher is the showrunner and um, will co-wrote the series along with Winona Wilms. Now, the another series in their deal is Great National, um, and it's looking at the uh, the national parks, right? So it's a you know it's not a, a scripted it's a natural history series and it's going to be exploring the awe-inducing national parks and wild spaces around the world. So um, I mean there's a lot, right? So uh, that's going to be kind of interesting because it's always nice when you go to a certain spot to be able to visit shit. I remember when I went to um yeah Vancouver. I got out to a few of them places, which is, uh, yeah, Ah, you know, gives you a nice little buzz, man, you know what I mean, it's getting to see all of that kind of shit, so, um, also, right, so, Michael B. Jordan has a, you know, first look deal and all of that with Amazon, and, um, one of the things he is doing, so he's doing film and TV, but on the TV side of things, it looks like his first project is going to be the greatest. Now, I, I think that name, it, it kind of makes you think of maybe a few things, but one of those things will always be, I mean, not just me, but Muhammad Ali. Yes, it is a series about the boxer now he doesn't really say what aspects of his life it's going to be looking at you know what i mean if it's gonna be like one night in miami and and deal with his um you know later career or dealing with him as a kid growing up to become doesn't say right but yeah it's in the works and um, the his estate is behind it, um, along with uh, Rock Nation. They're going to be uh, working on the series. Um, so I believe they will be um, doing the music. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think it's pretty interesting, right? So um, basically, luckily. Because I mean, when I heard about this, I think the fear was that Jordan was going to be playing Muhammad Ali, but no, no, he is not. Yeah, so I, I think we're going to be waiting for an announcement on uh, the casting and all of that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's uh, yeah, Muhammad Ali is very interesting as a person, and. I mean, there's a lot that goes behind the dude, right? 
Now he, he was great He's also He did some Shabby shit And I don't think anything that we have seen Really looks at all of that You know The, the, the Alley film that Will Smith did Definitely did not and One Night in Miami was kind of, it, you know, I mean, it was looking at a load of people and just that one fight, right? So it, it'll be interesting to see something that might actually give us everything, warts and all. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's see if Michael B. Jordan can be the one to uh, do that. You know? So um, another series that will be looking at a real life person. Is the spook who sat by the door Now this is very interesting So it's from uh, Lee Daniels Right, he's going to executive produce this series Which is ordered to a pilot at FX So, you know, it might become something But it might not We don't know, right But it is based on Sam Greenlee's book Right, um and what it is, it follows Dan Freeman Right, you might think, who the fuck is Dan Freeman? Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked He was the first black person to work for the CIA Yeah. So um, in the 60s, the late 60s, you know uh, yeah, the, the CIA were trying to It's kind of like now <laughs> You know what I mean? Everyone trying to show that they are down That they are woke So the CIA, were, you know did a, Their affirmative action program So they hired Freeman You know, he went through all the training And everything like that And then they kind of just Left him by the door You know, so he did, they didn't really want to use him But Having him there tick the boxes. Okay, so um yeah, I think that is really friggin' interesting. So um Lee Dana Jackson, she has um written the script and will be the showrunner. Um Gerald McMurray will executive produce and direct. So uh, yes. Mark Velez is also executive producing And yeah, I am very interested by that Now, let's end on this, people And kind of came from nowhere Ain't gonna lie I was not expecting this But um, Peacock You know, the st NBC streaming platform They are doing a 10-episode limited series of Malcolm D. Lee's The Best Man Yeah I know, right? Be like, what? Now, it is not a reboot of either of the two films No, 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 no This is a third chapter And it is actually called The Best Man Final Chapters So this, I mean, with the name like that You're basically saying this is the end This is it but who knows Because I wasn't expecting a sequel to the first film But uh, yeah You know so I think everyone is coming back Morris Chestnut, Melissa De Souza, Tay Diggs Regina Hall, Terence Howard Saina Nathan 
Nia Long and Harold Perrineau. And it says that the series will catch up with the eight main characters as their relationships evolve and past grievances resurface in the unpredictable stages of midlife crisis meets midlife renaissance. So, um, yeah, Lee will be writing again and will executive produce with um, Dana Lynn North. So, people, that's it. We're done. You hear me? Woo! So now it is on to other things. I've got an interview coming for um, Echo Chamber. Got to be uh, prepping for that. And yeah, just the other stuff dropping. So, people, check out all the other podcasts. You know what I mean? Obviously, there's Chin Check, there's Echo Chamber. You know what I mean? Uh, we're, we're getting around. All right. So, people, enjoy your week, and we will see you next Wednesday. All right. Don't get blinded by the light. <laughs> just party. Woo!